0: Africa Agenda is a podcast that features conversations with people working at the intersection of open data, open government and sustainable development in Africa. come back this is let's talk data maputo protocol edition uh, we are speaking with Pfizer, Jama Mohammed executive director of equality now uh, Africa regional office right yeah um, the, the history and the process the progress that the, the maputo protocol has taken has been pretty impressive mm-hmm. but at the beginning there might the, there, there were some issues that were really hard to advocate for mm-hmm. uh, within the, within the treaty because despite the fact that it's a very progressive instrument it does it did have some things that are too progressive for some for hmm. some governments uh, probably could tell us a few of those which ones they are and and which ones we've made the most progress in terms of moving the needle
1: right okay well even when they were um, negotiating and reviewing at the expert level there were uh, concerns raised by different countries um, and some of these concerns has uh, you know based on culture based mm-hmm. on religion you know, that's how they were looking at it. Uh, one of the things, for example, the protocol, protocol encourages monogamous marriages, uh, not polygamous mm-hmm. marriages. Mm-hmm. You know, but recognizes also to protect the rights of women who are already in polygamous uh, you know, relationships. But states are encouraged to move towards monogamy. Um, and um, that was an issue for, for countries. Uh, the other issue was also the registration of marriage, uh, you know, n- normally uh, When it is done customarily, it's probably not uh, registered, uh, but the purpose of registration of marriages is, is important um, so that the uh, Normally, you know, the marriage is recognized. Uh, it's a way also to detect uh, if an underage is being married or not. You know, so there was resistance to that as so well. So
0: there were countries that actually didn't want yes to register yes at least the customary marriages.
1: Yes, yeah. Wow. So, so those those, those were the that. And then the other issue was nationality. Uh, and and in this aspect, the protocol is weak in nationality because they put. Um, this is one of the compromises, you know, like uh, places where we lost uh, the, the battle. Uh, nationality, um, the right for a mother to give her nationality to her children and foreign husband, for example, um, it is denied in all, uh, in almost a lot of nations' uh, uh, laws. Um, Kenya used to also deny women to pass uh, their own, uh, you know, nationality to their foreign uh, husbands and children born out of, out of that marriage. Um, whereas Kenyan men could easily do it, you know. Um, but the Constitution of 2010 has changed that. So the protocol we were hoping would also give that equal right to women, you know, so that all countries will now reform their laws to comply with, with the protocol. Um, so the, there was strong resistance from Egypt uh, to that. Uh, finally the provision that was put in there was um, as long as it's not against the interest of the national against the national interest. Yeah. And then you wonder, uh, how would that you know, be of uh, risk or issue?
0: So what what yeah. particular <laughs> national interest would yes. be jeopardized <laughs> yes. by, by, by allowing you know, women allowing to pass
1: <laughs> their nationality to their children. So, um, but it seems to be a sensitive issue for countries. Um, but the funny thing was that soon after, Egypt has passed the nationality law, allowing women to pass their <laughs> And yet we are now stuck with this article that they pushed to be stated to be in, in problem that sense. Yes. So they, they,
0: they <laughs> yeah. pushed for it, and then they walked away. Yes. And left us with it. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Um, so the that, other that, that issue was uh, around the issue of uh, Article 14, around reproductive rights, um, whether a woman can decide uh, want to have children, the number of children she wants, um, and allowing safe abortion to take place if you know, a woman is raped um, or if it is through incest. Um, or if you know there is uh, uh, in the best interest of the mother, or the, or, the, or the fetus is defective, you know those those were the exceptions allowed, you know, to to conduct safe abortion, um, and that also uh, people bring in religious aspects to, and so they had issues. Those are the tough ones that we we have seen. Um, but most of the others, um, uh, although there is um, resistance from uh, from uh, the communities in terms of, of culture when it comes to female genital mutilation, but countries were OK with that. They were all supportive of ending this harmful practice mm-hmm. uh, and any other harmful practice that Uh, affects the health and and the human dignity of the the person, you know.
0: So So, so the challenge for that now remains at the sub-national level.
1: Yes, the implementation, yeah. So, like in Africa, we always say there are 28 countries that have Uh, you know where the prevalence is uh, existing of uh, female genital mutilation at different degrees Um, but it's important uh, uh, to have a law but also important to educate the communities and the protocol recognizes that and obligates them to invest in the education of the public against this and to enforce also the application of the law yeah so that's uh <laughs>
0: so for this these sticky issues you know uh FGM, mm-hmm. um, sexual um sections health and rights
1: mm-hmm.
0: um ali ch- ali ch- child marriage mm-hmm. uh the, the issue of nationality citizenship mm-hmm. um which one has which which in which one has has shown the most progress in terms of going from total resistance to um, significant resistance to to more adoption
1: yeah well we, when it comes to uh, health issues um, there's still a lot of challenges but I feel like uh, countries are, are seeing the need to address maternal mortality you know and so there, there is progress in, in some in some form. Although there is largely a lot of uh, resistance to providing the right to exercise safe abortion when you have these exceptions, but and and some countries put reservations against those articles, like Uganda, Kenya, Rwanda. But Rwanda has now removed those reservations. They have reformed their law and. You know, in the beginning, they had restrictions. against is uh, when um, a woman wants to abort, what steps she needs to go through. Uh, but from the lived experience, now they are also revisiting those restrictions so that they can make it easier for for women to enjoy those rights. Um, marriage, polygamous marriage. <laughs> I think um, Kenya is one example. You know, now you have a law that allows polygamy. <laughs> So yes, which is explicitly. I, I, yes, <laughs> and it's going against um, the spirit of the protocol. Yeah, um, and the protocol also uh, one important thing I forgot is that advocates uh, for countries to obligate, you know, that that they can uphold uh, rights that are existing uh, allowed by the law of the country, which is much better than what the pr- protocol provides. So if you if if a country has a law that's better than what the protocol provides, then that will supersede what is in the protocol. Mm,
0: okay, yeah. so it's so it's it, like it leaves room for you to yeah. push the envelope. Yeah, the idea the is this level. is the
1: bare minimum, and that you always move and push for the the better. Yeah, yeah.
0: Are there, um, in terms of how how we've made progress in some of these issues, or the areas that we're not making progress, mm-hmm. uh, are we finding within the movement um, access to the data to inform our decision making on these issues?
1: The data is always a challenge um, because um, mostly. Um, Everybody can generate data and data is always disputed and so you always go for where who is credible Enough, you know where countries might listen to you know, so for example as an organization We depend on the DHS the demographic health surveys of of Produced by countries so we could say this is your own data that we are referring to Um, We we also uh, use a lot the UN uh, uh, Because they have uh, better um, resources to generate this data, you know. So um, that's not an area for our expertise and any of the coalition members, I would say. But um, so we rely on others who have credible, maybe standing in terms of the collection of the data. Uh, Population Council is another one that generates some of the data we rely on. but for, for us, what is important is also what is behind the data, you know, the stories, you know, the, the data gives you the scale and magnitude of what is um, happening, but then um, the doesn't give you the, the, the violations, the extent you know, of the sufferings of what these numbers represent. Yeah, so the approach we like to use most is to show the stories. Um, and then show back it with some statistics that say, okay this is the extent of the preference, but then we say this is the human phase
0: of it yeah. Yeah. is is there a specific issue that that you think would benefit greatly from from better access to data
1: yes um, for example now what we would like to from from the beginning what we would like to see is how countries are in terms of uh, domesticating. By that we mean um, integrating the protocol into their national laws. There are countries which, whose constitutions allow that when they ratify an international instrument it becomes automatically uh, part of, of their, their law. Yeah. But there are others where unless uh, a new um, law is drawn up to the, the judge will never use the protocol. You know. Um, so those are the challenges uh, some of the lawyers are facing in some countries, like, um, like in civil law countries in, 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 in West Africa, that they can apply it because the, it was not gazetted uh, officially and it is therefore not part of the law or something like that. So how many countries are, for example, implementing their provisions? We can only tell um, if they bring their reports to the African Commission, and that is also going uh, at a low snail pace. So there are about uh, eight or ten countries who have brought uh, their reports to the Commission addressing specifically the protocol. Most countries are just reporting on the chatter, but they are expected to report also on the the protocol. And the Commission has developed guidelines uh, to help them uh, in terms of what needs to, the contents of the of the report uh, would look like, uh, and and how the progressive reports that come after the initial report will build on on the you know on the first report. Um, so, what are the challenges? We don't know uh, with some countries, um, and some coalition members have, have invested in uh, training member states on on this format of the Commission in terms of fulfilling their obligations and sometimes even attach uh, a resource person to help them uh, you know prepare and submit their report so that's how you know some progress is made with a few who have submitted Mm -hmm. Um, but it should not be um, us as civil society, who are just always pushing the country, reminding them that, you know, they have to do their obligation of reporting and show that they are making progress. Um, we would like to be kind of like the watchdogs and, you know, reminding but not doing the actual work for them, you know. Um, but train, yes, train and help and provide technical support. and. So that's why um, it's important also to understand from their own perspectives what their challenges are and you know in the beginning we realized one big challenge was communication. Um, You'll come to the Ministry of Women and try to talk to them about protocol and they have never heard about it. And you wonder then what's going on because it's the Ministry of Foreign Affairs who participates at the AU meetings, who signs these protocols
0: through the their the, the mission in Addis. Yes, so it's, it's yeah. a diplomat that is based. Yes, um, and then the information doesn't there. trickle down.
1: <laughs> so it has become uh, you know a big thing. Uh, parliamentarians also, um, and the fact that they are also not there all the time. You know, every election cycle they are replaced you or they continue. Time. Yeah, so there's always. That engagement that you continually need to do, but um, almost all, all types of data are uh, hard to get, um, and it would be good to to see the level of implementation uh, of the country of the protocol um, by by sections, you know, by different articles, where we are. Um, We have been tweeting in the past uh, 15 um, days, uh, an article each day. Uh, One of the key articles, what we consider it. Um, And uh, some of the figures that come are coming from other uh, sources, um, mostly from UN agencies, reports. but uh, it would be good to see, you know, African research on it by Africans that are also generating the.
0: And also, the information. you know, the African governments proactively putting
1: the information out military. there. Yeah.
0: So, sometimes we end up relying on multilateral institutions mm-hmm. for data they get from national uh, national governments, mm-hmm. but which our national governments don't provide to us yes. in ways that we can access easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's so critical. Yeah. So data on, on implementation mm-hmm. of, of the protocol and the issues that it captures. Yeah. Um, and an of mm-hmm. focus mm-hmm. that we could look at.
1: Yes, so. definitely. Yes.
0: Um, so when we come back, <laughs> I, I'd like to hear about Pfizer's dream. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the next 15 years of the protocol. <laughs> we'll be back.